One of the main benefits of offering high ticket products or services is that you'll be able to sell fewer high quality products while seeing increased profits. That's what most entrepreneurs, coaches, or course creators think when they set out to selling high ticket offers. But I see more and more people struggling at selling high ticket and ending up burnt out and depressed just because they don't get the ingredients right. And that's exactly what we will learn with Jen Gittomer today on The Guri Show. Jen will share with us the secrets to making high-ticket sales with ease and flow and how she has sold millions of dollars of service. Not only that, she'll also give us a sneak peek into her personal transformation. So let's dive in. Let's welcome Jen in today's episode. Hey, Hey, Jen. Welcome. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here. How are you doing? What's happening? Well, it's early in the morning when at the time of the recording, and I feel like I've had a full day already. I've done two doggy walks. I recorded my own podcast and uh, got some grounding stuff in, drinking my cacao, and um, it's it's been a day already. <laughs> yeah, morning coffee. <laughs> I feel the same. I got up early today, and it's, what, 8? 8 a.m. and I feel like I'm polished up for the <laughs> That's day. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so awesome. So we're going to talk about high ticket offers, selling high ticket offers, and your process and how people can, you know, get those sales in with ease and flow. So let's get started with it. So what exactly do you mean by high ticket offers? So by high ticket offers, I mean selling anything a couple thousand dollars and up, usually for a thousand dollars, people will check out online, right? People will say, okay, it's a thousand nine ninety nine or whatever, and I'll, I'll pay for it online. But once you start getting into the two, three, four, five, 10, 15, 20 thousand dollar sales, they typically require a conversation and more than just a, a checkout link. Right. And, um, <clears throat> It's not to say that you should only sell high ticket or you should only sell low to mid ticket, but to me, it's the combination of both that help you succeed. Okay. So you're saying that if someone thinks that they only have to sell high ticket, it's not true that they can always you know, expand to low ticket offers or start from there and then go to selling So the way I offers. see it is as a newer business owner, you need cash flow, right? That's like the number one thing that you need to have a business. You need customers and cash. And so um, how do you get customers quickly? Well, let's say you're trying to have, uh, I don't know, two, three, four, five thousand, ten thousand dollar months. If you're, let's just say ten thousand dollar months, right? I'm going to pull out my calculator here. And if you want a ten thousand dollar month with a twenty thousand, with a $27 product, that's a whole lot of people that you need to find to buy that product. That's 370 people. If you're a newer, newer business owner, wow. how are you going to find 370 people to say yes to you? Well, typically it's through ads. And so ads cost money. And so now how are you going to to invest that if you don't have it. It's like this vicious cycle. So what I always recommend if you're a newer business owner or if you're just wanting to add, um, fulfill, like 
easy and fulfilling money to your business is to go high ticket. Because with a ten thousand, I can't speak it with a ten thousand dollar sale, you need one or two of those. You need one or two clients to say yes, right? Two clients saying yes at five k. Now, that means that the offer has to be really good, right? Or they're not going to say yes to you at five thousand dollars or one client at ten thousand dollars. But the truth is that. Um, and that's part of the secret sauce, the secret ingredients that you need in a, in the offer. Um, but that's a lot easier, in my opinion. That's how I built my business actually twice from the ground up with, um, you know, no capital was by bootstrapping it through uh, high ticket offers. We'll dive into your personal transformation story, your origin story in a minute. Um, so quick question, does everyone need a high ticket offer if they're starting out, if there's a cash flow issue so, or, oh, sorry. To, yeah. Yeah, go need ahead. Need is, uh, the optimal word here, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what everyone needs. Mm -hmm. It's for, it's for you as the business owner to decide to me the easiest and quickest way to generate cash in your business is to look at it in bigger chunks is to say, okay, I need, I, I need, and that's the operative word, $10,000. Am I going to get there with 370 people or with two, or maybe, maybe with four, right? But to me, four people getting yeah. four people to say yes to you is a lot easier than finding 370 people to say yes to you. Same money. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 I love that. So then what does this process look like for you? Like when you say uh, selling your offers with ease and flow, what does this process look? Yeah. So first is really um, identifying what the offer is. And when you're selling high ticket, you want to be thinking about how can I make, if someone's going to invest that much money in your offer, how can you make a really big impact in their life? And maybe even 10x the impact. So if they're investing, let's just say 2,500, how can you make a $25,000 impact in their life? Um, and, mm -hmm. and creating the offer around that. And then having conversations that that lead to the sale. And that's, and that's a big part of it. Um, one thing I didn't touch on that, I, that I should, when just thinking back to your last question about, does everyone need it? I find that entrepreneurs fall into four different categories. And so what happens is there's this spectrum of high and low service and this spectrum of high and low sales. Okay. And so there's the entrepreneur who is the underpaid expert. Like you're delivering lots of service, lots of value to the marketplace, but you're underpaid. You're not making enough money. There's the entrepreneur who then goes the opposite route. And I know I went from one to the other at one point, And that was, um, I decided, let me just put tons of offers out there because the more offers, the more people will buy. And so I'm making lots of sales and making good money but you're not able to deliver uh, service at the level that you would want because you're spread thin. 
you're just doing too many things. And so I call that the spread thin staffer because you literally become a staffer, a staff person in your own business. And then there's the person who's not making sales and not making and not delivering value. They're just a stressed entrepreneur, right? And that's likely not the person listening to this to this podcast. The person listening to this podcast is likely falling into an underpaid expert. Like you have value to offer. You're just not getting enough money for it. Or you're spread thin because you're offering so much value, but you're not making enough money. And so what you want to do is figure out yeah. how do I how can I offer lots of value to the marketplace, lots of value to my clients and make a lot of money. And to me, the fastest route there is through these high ticket sales. And I call that the affluent achiever. Okay, cool. So can you say those four names again? I define them as the underpaid expert, the spread thin staffer, Mm -hmm. the stressed entrepreneur, and the affluent achiever. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So quick question, when you're describing, like, uh, when you say that if you're charging, let's say $2,500 or something, um, your value should be at least $25,000. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is that what you said? Yeah. So how do people determine that value? Because I feel a lot of people struggle with identifying what value means when when they are stacking up their offer that's a really great you know do you want to touch upon that so the offer stack is definitely an easy way to demonstrate value and what i mean by the offer stack is um literally a stack like think of a stack of boxes right but in each box you're listing out what the components of this offer are that make it valuable and then assigning a price tag to those to each of those components it makes it an easy and clear visual for someone. But then the question becomes, well, how do I determine what the the value is of each of those things in the stack? And to be fair, some of it is subjective. Um, Some of it can be based on what you've done in the past. So I know, for example, my um, discovery call script, which is not actually a script, but it's a a flow, um, has helped a client the first client who used it, it helped her 12x her rate on discovery calls. So I knew what she was doing. And then I knew what what she was doing after she used my flow. Um, And she now has a multiple uh, six figure business. So, so, you know, so based on past experience, you can, you can begin to gauge the value. Now, if you're like, well, but Jen, I'm a new business owner. And so I don't necessarily have those stats. Well, you might have those stats with yourself. You might know how your own formula helped you. You might know how it, I I had a client once who was starting a business based on what she did in corporate. Um, and the skills she acquired in corporate and the results and the success she acquired in corporate. But she was like, but I don't have any results. I'm like, but you have all these results from what you did in your former job. Do those not count all of a sudden? Yeah. Well, I didn't do them under my business name. So what? You did them. You're the same person, right? Like, yeah. so it's really looking mm-hmm. at your past history of success and then looking at what happens after the customer takes ownership of the product or service you're offering them. 
So once they take ownership of mm-hmm. this, and maybe it's taking ownership of this information, taking ownership of this new knowledge, this new um, way of doing things, what's going to happen? What's the potential? What What is the potential outcome for them in their mm-hmm. life? Yeah. I just want to add to something that you were talking about before, that when you have a process and you can bring that process to another scenario, another situation or another niche or industry, it just becomes super easy to get results quickly and fast. Totally. But when you don't, yeah, when you don't have a process, it's like you're struggling. You're trying to create something from scratch, like your client. And I have a few clients who are like always, oh, how do we begin uh, with this? When they have done something related to that uh, in the past, it's just that they struggle between, uh, you know, creating something, creating something for online. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard people you say know? a lot the term I'm a newbie. And I don't like that term because that term implies you're starting out like, like a baby and, or, you know, with no knowledge, but really what you're bringing to the table is your, your years of experience and knowledge and failures and successes and learned lessons. And you're bringing all of that to the table. And so if you ever catch yourself saying like, I'm a newbie or I don't know, or like just ground back into yourself to say, well, what if I did know? And what if I could look at what I already have as the basis for what I can create? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I totally agree. Experience is definitely a key pillar. Like experience teaches you so much and prepares you for that next level so much. Yeah. 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 I mean, knowledge can be one thing. Like you going through courses and books and stuff. Um, but experience like taking action and then learning for like taking mess, messy action. So, you know, and then learning someone from asked that. me recently, if you could learn sales mm-hmm. by uh, reading a book. And I was like, sure, you can learn sales by reading a book. Like you can learn how to sell, you can learn strategies, but that doesn't mean you're going to be any good at it just because you read that book. Is it going to help you? Yeah. What you do? Sure. But it's like, learning to swim, you can learn how to swim by reading a manual, put one hand, then the other hand Mm -hmm. and hold your breath and breathe and whatever. But like, until you (laughs) actually get in the pool and do it and figure out, oh, if I do that, I lose my breath or I swallow water or, you know, I, I need to like tread Mm -hmm. to stay above. Like, it's the same thing with sales or anything you're trying to learn. Like you have to do it and gain that experience. And that's what you're talking about. To, to really be able yeah. to become a master at it. So what would you say are the three pillars or like, um, you know, elements or pillars, whatever you want to call them, or secrets, you know, ingredients, maybe like whatever you want to call them, um, that would create a successful high ticket selling, you know, high ticket offers selling business. So the first pillar is something that is not transferred in your messaging. So it's called belief. And you don't, you don't actually say in your messaging, I believe this product is going to help you. I promise it's, you know, like maybe you try to communicate that, but it's the unspoken energy that you carry with you 
when you have a deep belief in your product or service. And so in order to look at belief, I break it down into a couple components. And that is how deep is your belief in yourself, like your ability to deliver this information or whatever the, the teachings are in the high ticket, uh, your belief in your product or service, which is different. It's separate from you. Your belief in your company, like how do you stand behind whatever it is you're delivering? And your belief in your ability to differentiate yourself from the competition. So why, sh why should they go with you versus uh, someone else? And then your belief in, this is the last one, uh, in their outcome. Like how strongly do you believe that they will be better off having worked with you? So that's the first pillar. And you really need to identify those beliefs in order to um, strongly communicate that this is the program for them. Because I see entrepreneurs all the time showing up and they're kind of half assing it. And I, sorry to say a bad word, <laughs> but like they're, they're, That's they're, funny. you know, they're, they're putting themselves out there, but they're like holding back a little bit because they're like, Oh, I want to yeah. sell this, but what if it doesn't work? And what if it, what if, what mm -hmm. if they don't get enough value and all the what ifs that are like really preventing them from going all in. Mm -hmm. And so how do you get rid of those? What ifs? A lot of them is through a strong, unbreakable belief in your product and service. And so what I do, um, or what I did, like when I was selling uh, Cutco knives back in the day, I would go to like people's homes selling Cutco knives. Yeah. Wow. And, um, and, and I, I can tell you two decades later, they are still the best knives on the planet. If you need stuff for your kitchen, buy from Cutco. Okay. How can I tell you that two decades later, I don't make commission. They're not paying me to say this. They don't really care if I say that or not. Um, because I have that deep belief mm -hmm. that's lasted with me two decades post selling the product. Oh. Right. And I can even tell you why they're, they're yeah. the best. Okay. Why they're safer than the other knives. Why, sharper knives are actually better for you so that you don't cut yourself contrary to popular belief. Like I can tell you a million and one reasons why you should get own. Every household should have cutco knives in their kitchen, why it's the best investment. And so how belief, how strong is your belief? Would you believe that your product or service is that good as I just expressed around cutco knives two decades later? That's how strong your belief has to be in your offer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so I, I look at this as a three-part framework. Show, don't tell. Help, don't sell. And prove like hell. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Okay? So yep. I would go in and... <laughs> I just logged it. I would, I would go in and... Go ahead. I would go in and sell these knives to people's houses. But if I showed up and I was like, hey, I have the best knives. Can you buy my knives? They'd be like, okay, I don't believe you. Thanks. I already have knives. Goodbye. But how did I become one of the top Cutco salespeople is I, I use this formula of show, don't tell. So instead of showing up and telling them how great my knives were, I showed them. Prior to the sale, I would ask them about their favorite kitchen foods that they would eat, like pineapple, like fruits, pineapple or whatever, right? And I would bring the hardest fruit I could find that they that they would 
tell me they liked. And I would show them, okay, try cutting it with your knife. Well, now I want you to cut it with mine. And they were sold. But how do you transfer that on the internet? And, you know, you do that through Mm -hmm. video. You do that through different communications of showing, not just telling. And you have to tell some. You have to tell. But people learn in stories. People remember in stories. And so it's about showing, not just telling. The second part is um, help don't sell. So, yes, I teach sales. But I'm all yeah. about helping. Mm-hmm. So I worked at a retail clothing boutique in high school. And I um, it was a very expensive boutique store. And some girl came in and she was going to buy a dress from me. And I was already counting the commission. I'm like, wow, it's like a $700 dress. I'm going to make this much. <laughs> like, yeah. And my manager called me over and she's like, Jen. You cannot sell her that dress. But Susie. Wow. Why? I'm like, but Susie, the commission. And she's like, no, we are a boutique store. We rely on word of mouth and repeat customers. So you have to ask yourself, does your business rely on word of mouth and repeat customers? And that dress doesn't look good on her. She's going to go home, show her friends, and they're going to say, Wherever you got that, don't go back and let us know because we don't want to shop there. And by the way, then the dress will come back. I was like, okay. She's like, go find her something that will. She's like, go find her something that will look good. Okay. So I went on a search in the store. I found what I thought based on her body type would be a great fit. And I came over to her. I said, hey. I know you love this dress. I have a dress that's $200 less. And I think it's going to look even better. Would you be willing to try it? She's like, sure. So I brought it over to her. Mm-hmm. She tried it and it, it just fit her so perfectly. It looks so good on her. And what happened? She bought it. She was my customer the whole time I worked there. She would only shop with me because she trusted me. She trusted that I wasn't going to just sell her anything. I was only going to sell her what worked for her. So you have to be able, when you're helping, you have to be able to create that level of trust. And and when you're selling high ticket, if you don't establish that level of trust, people aren't going to buy from you. And if you're just trying to sell them something, even though Mm -hmm. you know it's a bad fit, they're going to tell all their friends never to buy from you. Yeah. Yeah, that story was mind blowing. I'm sure, like, and that happened mm-hmm. like decades ago, yeah, like two decades ago, or like a decade ago. And I think at that point, online was not no, even. No, I mean, picture. she wouldn't have made a review about us or anything you know? like and that. And people were, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, the point that I'm trying to make is that at that point, you know, salespeople were like looked at, looked from mm-hmm. a different eye. And, you know, they had their own strategies. So making sure that, you know, you hold your values at all points, that that's a big thing. So that's. Yeah, I was so lucky. I mean, although it was a learning for you. I was so lucky to have a manager (laughs) who had really good ethics and values because I could have, I wanted to be successful. And so I could have gone down a dark path of selling things to people because I was good at selling. But what I realized was it was more Mm -hmm. important to help. 
than sell. And when you come at it, like people will tell me, oh, Jen, I'm scared to be salesy. I don't want to show up online and like be promoting my offer and then I'm going to be salesy. And there's this negative connotation. But the truth is you're a business owner. You need to make sales. It's sell or die in business. And yeah. so um, if you come at it from a place of being helpful you'll and that intention, you'll never come off salesy. Mm-hmm. So was this always the case with you or was there a point in time where you felt that, you know, you need to be more helpful or you need to be more salesy, like, or was this always the I case? Didn't, I didn't realize um, it until sell. that day. I hadn't been working in the boutique long, um, but that lesson just stuck with me forever. And that was really a, the beginning of my pivotal sales career of realizing I could be really good at sales if I just uh, tried to help them. And that's a key ingredient with high ticket is yeah. like, don't just put together an offer that like, that excites you. It should excite you, but it has to help the other person. Yeah. And then you should be able to oh, sell yeah. it. Of course. I mean, obviously help first, but then should be yeah. able to sell it. A lot of people think that, you know, once they're done creating that offer, and they have all the good intentions to help people, then it's job done. Jobs just begin. You need a little bit of selling for sure. Just yeah. beginning, right? <laughs> so like I got her that dress and then, I, and then I knew that she would have spent, you know, $200 more. So now I'm thinking, okay, what could look good with that? Not just to increase my order, but also to help her so that when she gets home, she doesn't have to think about it. Do we have a pair of shoes that look good with that? Do we have, you know, what else can I add to it? And so that's a lot with high ticket too, is like, you know, especially if you're doing something that's customized, like a VIP day is thinking about what do they need and how do I incorporate that in, in their needs? Yeah. And it takes me back to what we were discussing before the stacking. Mm -hmm. Like if you have everything listed down, like this is what they would need as next step. Once they're through this, this is, they would need, um, that's how yeah. you stack it. And that's how you create a $25,000 offer. 100%. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what's the third one? The third one done is prove like help. help and stuff. So yeah. especially because we're uh-huh. selling online, we need social proof. It doesn't matter if you say something. If mm-hmm. you say how good you are, it's bragging. But when your customer says how good you are, it's proof. By the way, that's a quote from my husband. Um, <laughs> um, oh. It's in his books. And, uh, and, and But it's true. <laughs> yes, he's a writer he's also, too? He's also he's a sales. Yeah, he's a yeah. Sales um, uh, and his name's Jeffrey mm-hmm. Gittimer, if you want to look him up. But... Um, Oh yeah, actually, I've seen your post on Facebook. Like you were going, you guys were yes, going live yeah, together. Yeah, we go live, and I was like, oh, they're related for yep. sure. And um, <laughs> we have very uh, invigorating sales conversations in our household for sure. Um, <laughs> sure. So, yeah. so your household must be a VIP. <laughs> if I could go there, like for two days, it would to be a sit, VIP. Oh, yeah, to sit at our kitchen table, I always think like. Gabrielle, my stepdaughter, yeah. she's getting such an education in business and sales because she's, you know, just hears us talking about it. It's cool. Um, yeah. So prove like hell. Get mm-hmm. all the social proof that you can. 
you know, and if you're just starting out, consider helping someone for free video testimonials, written testimonials, testimonials of all kinds, because having them mixed up on your pages and your sales pages is really helpful and using them to overcome objections. So someone will say, oh, well, I just can't afford that right now. And then I'll say, okay, I understand that. I want you to hear from Mary, who also felt like she couldn't afford it right now. Mm -hmm. And this is what she had to say, or here's the case study or, you know, and I'm incorporating that. Um, and I try to actually bring them in prior to hearing the objection, because if you can nip it in the bud before they, they vocalize that objection, you're, yeah. you're squashing it before it even becomes an objection, which is way more effective than yeah. when it's an objection. Yeah. It's like, um, that's what my client Sally, exactly. you know, exactly. something like that. <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. the third one. So then let's go back, go back to, are these like pillars? Because we were talking about pillars and you started with belief. Oh yeah. And then I went, I went all over the place. Oh, yeah. We started um, talking Well, about, I would say that's. No, no, no. We are going. <laughs> that good. is, that is really my method is show, don't tell, help, don't sell, prove like hell um, as, as the pillars. Mm -hmm. um, and then belief is more like the, the foundation to everything. If you don't have the belief, then it, it doesn't yeah. matter right? Like how can you sell anything without that belief? So then let's talk about your life. Like how did, when did you enter into sales? What was the, what's your origin story? And was there a breakthrough moment or, or like you found a husband and then you thought, oh, we are doing this. Like, <laughs> how did yeah, it go? Like, share, share your story. So I started yeah. selling when I was. Sometimes I just want to add in I just want to add in, like, sometimes it happens that you're doing something, but when you meet your uh, potential partner, let's just say that, uh, you know, it becomes, like, so, almost certain that this is what you're yeah. going to do. And that itself is a breakthrough moment yeah, for that's, a lot of Yeah, that's people. an interesting um, thought. I really like that. I, um, I'll get into that in a second. So I, I started selling when... When I was young, yeah, sure. like four, yeah. five years old outside of the supermarket with my grandma, I just started selling these bracelets. Wow. Um, I would said I didn't, it was boring to go into the supermarket. So I would sit outside, make bracelets. People started buying them for me. And I realized in that moment, it didn't matter what I liked. It mattered what they liked. So if I liked pink and purple, but they wanted blue and orange for their team colors, that's what they were, they were going to buy. Right. So they, it was, it was a fun mm -hmm. lesson at a very early age. And in terms of like speaking to strangers and speaking to people and asking what they want and asking questions um, and then delivering them what they wanted. So that was really cool. Um, and then I've sold my whole life. I sold Cutco knives, retail. I sold educational software. I sold stuff in college. I mean, like I've always had sales and sales management positions. And in my former company that I was with, I was there for six and a half years and went from um, like bottom of the ranks to second in charge of the sales division, uh, managing a lot of people responsible for where the stock price was going. I had no idea that I had all these responsibilities yeah, oh, in my wow. 20s, um, yeah. late 20s. And um, <laughs> what I realized when I was there was I was... I'm really good at selling and I'm good at helping people understand how to sell. 
So it's my superpower because there are some people who are really good at selling and then they become managers, sales managers, but that doesn't mean they know how to manage or train or coach or lead. And what I realized was um, I was good at the training part. Like I loved teaching sales even more than making sales sometimes. And that's when I decided Mm -hmm. to start my own business because, and this was in 2013, because I, I realized if I were to start my own business, I could help people all over the world make more sales and change their life and, and change yeah. their, you know, trajectory. Um, and so I immediately, I quit, started a business, immediately set out to write a book, decided I wanted sales material in the meantime, because in the beginning, I was speaking to companies and going in and giving cor- corporate talks on sales to their sales teams. Now I help entrepreneurs. Um, is more my passion. Mm-hmm. But in back in that day in 2013, I wanted some sales material um, so that I could go teach it into corporations. And that's how I met my husband. He was training people to be certified in his sales methodology. And someone said, hey, you should check out Jeffrey Gittimer. And I did. Noticed he was having an upcoming training and the rest was history. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then it was like written for you from. Yeah. I I knew from pretty early age that I was always going to be an entrepreneur. My parents were entrepreneurs and, um, Mm -hmm. And when people ask me, you know, like people would ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and, you know, people are like, doctor, firefighter, this, that. I'm like, I'm going to be a business owner. Okay. What kind of business? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea what kind of business, but I am going to own a business. That was always my life dream. And it just happened that I love sales. What does it meant? Like calling yourself a business owner? What does it really meant for you? Like as in... uh... In terms of obviously, like, I'm going to be different, you know, if that's what you felt. But also, like, what are you going to do as a business owner? Yeah. And I know that I'm talking to a kid. Yeah. So, as a kid, what I observed (laughs) was a couple of things. My parents Mm -hmm. had over 100 employees, they were in a factory. And um, Mm -hmm. what I observed was those people became like family. And they had people for a really long time. And they would do things for them like Thanksgiving. They Everyone got to choose if they were getting a turkey or a ham. And my parents would go out and buy everyone a turkey or a ham. Um, and they would, you know, just treat them. Wow, yeah, they would just sweet. treat them really well. And so I thought as a business owner, you get to help other people make money. Like your employees, you get to support them. Um, they supported so many people through, you know, different times. Um, and I observed that, but I also observed the other side because I would go to on all the holidays and, and vacations from school, I would go to work with my parents. And so I would observe them. I would observe my mom going on sales calls and what it took to win the sale and the prep that went into it and the conversations that she and my dad had leading up to it and how they were going to help that client. And so um, I also realized you get you got to help the clients. And so I, I, I think what I liked about it from a young kid's age is that like you got to help a lot of people. And that is a, a part of my core is I really like to help 
Um, and so mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what I was thinking and make a difference, right? I think that every entrepreneur out there wants to yeah. not just make money. I mean, of course you want to make money, but I think mm-hmm. every entrepreneur wants to make impact. Sure. That's why we are here. I mean, money can motivate you yeah. only to an extent. Once you start having it, when you start um, seeing it around you and that it's coming easily and naturally, that's when, you know, you're, you come to f- come face to face with this question. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's next? Yeah. What, what now? And that's when you realize for a lot of people, it's a big realization that they have that I want to really make that impact. You know, yeah, really make 100%. It count. For some, it's from, for some, it's, from the beginning itself, but a lot of people who are not, you know, who struggle with cash flow, for them, it's really the start with money. And then, you know, once everything is sorted, they're like, okay, now I want to. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, there's a huge (laughs) focus on money at first because you can't make the impact without the income. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how can you help others if you can't even support yourself or your family or whatever, right? And so there's this like, oh, I need more money, need more money. And then at a certain point, you get to have this like transition where you're like, I'm just going to go and do things that make me feel good and make my clients and help my clients, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. where it just gets so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you're really in that ease and flow. Oh, Money yeah. Starts yeah. Because that it's that energy of abundance for sure. Yeah. For sure. Exactly. So uh, let's try to summarize everything and let's talk about like what are the few mistakes that people who are starting out might be making and what they can do to get on track. Okay. So um, the first thing is, um, and in summary, is belief is, is like, the most important thing you could create right now. And a mistake you might be making is not investing some time to understand your beliefs in your offers. And if you don't know how, if you don't know if your offer, if your belief is strong or you're like, something's kind of holding me back, that energy is going to be felt immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And other mistakes you may be making is, um, not putting yourself out there or like, how are people going to buy from you if they don't know, like, and trust you? Like you can't be the best kept secret Mm -hmm. and make the most money, right? Like if you're the best kept secret, no one knows about you. They don't know to buy from you. They don't know how you can help them. So you need to figure out, um, maybe work with a coach, like figure out how to overcome whatever Mm -hmm. it is holding you back from putting yourself out there. Um, and then, you know, just, if you're afraid to sell high ticket, really ask yourself why, like what, what, what kind of impact could it create for you and your clients? And, um, and you know, it could be a mistake if you're not incorporating it into your business. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. When you say that, um, you know, I'm reminded of this, I'm inside this community. So when someone yesterday or day before she posted that, you know, putting out content, it's not working. No one is sending me DMs. And I happen to follow her on Instagram. And I see her, you know, posts and stories coming up, coming up on my feed all the time. And so I just said, I've never seen a sales post. It just, you know, 
then in, in the comments, I was like, okay, you're doing the efforts and I appreciate that. I mean, I respect that. I just want to say like, you know, um, that I've never seen a sales post. And although I'm probably not your target audience and not your target client, but still, you know, that's my opinion of what you're doing. And she was like, yeah, you're right. I've never done that. And like 30 minutes after that, she did a sales post. And I'm not sure what the result is. I don't know. But that's, that, that is something that keeps a lot of people stuck as well. That they so, don't put out these, their posts. Yeah, my mom offer. always told me, if you don't ask, you don't get. And like, if you don't mm-hmm. ask for the yeah. sale, how could you get the sale? Right. And there's ways to ask for it. Like I'm signing people up right now for something for free, but I still have to ask them to sign up. Right. They're still like, hey, yeah. if you want in on this. Yeah here's where you enroll, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to just magically pop into my sphere. It just doesn't work like that. So you need to ask them whether you're asking them to pay or sign up for free or whatever. Like you need to ask for it for sure. So many people, I see that on discovery calls a lot. And Mm -hmm. someone will say to me, Jen, I do all these discovery calls and they're not working. Okay. Well, like, let's go through it. What happens? So they walk me through it. And they go through the whole thing and they've like described this amazing way that the client is going to win or profit or have a better outcome by working with them. I'm like, and then they're like, but then they, they don't buy. I'm like, well, you didn't talk about how you asked them for the sale. Tell me about that part. And there's this moment of silence typically where they're like, well, uh, 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 I don't want to ask if they're in. I'm like, but that's the whole point of the call, right? <laughs> Yeah. Gotta ask. Gotta ask. I love that. Yeah. I love that. If you're not going to ask, yeah. If you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't ask, you don't get. Awesome. So I'm loving this conversation and I know that we can go on and on. But I also wanted to, like, I'm reminded of this VIP retreat you were on and you were like posting. Instagram reels. So is this like part of your, uh, your high oh. ticket offer or did you? Oh, oh to yes. another, so one of the, um, one of my high ticket offers is a VIP retreat. I think that's what you're referring to. It's called Sage Your Soul okay. and it's in Sedona. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, um, the next one is in October. Uh, sorry. I'm so sorry. September. <laughs> and then there'll be another one most likely early, early next year. And so, um, yeah, it is, it is a high ticket offer and it is massive amounts of transformation in just three and a half days. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm sure. So a lot of people who do you think like quick question then, do you think people who don't have, um, something you know, who don't have a digital product yet, they can also start with retreat or does the retreat come a little later on? I would start with a one-on-one um, because the retreat, there's more involved. Like you have to rent mm-hmm. a house. You have to, you have more expense. With one-on-one VIP days, you don't yeah. have as much expense. And so it's much easier to manage. But um, if you don't have a digital offer okay. yet, having these VIP days 
which I also offer like, you know, one-on-one VIP days where you work with me and, and we get everything done that would take like most of my coaching clients months of work over time. We, we set the agenda and do it Mm -hmm. in one day or one day and a half. And, um, so it's massive impact, massive, um, growth for the client. And then also, um, what you can do with that is you test out your offers. So you begin to learn what works and what doesn't work before you build your digital course and you incorporate those learnings in that. And and it's such quick feedback because you're doing it in a day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then what's does the ladder look like? <laughs> like quickly, you know, if you can just say that in like one sentence or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, low ticket, Um, like like free offers. Um, I have a make more money mini course, um, and then goes into group coaching, then one-on-one, then, uh, my mastermind, which is also a group coaching program, but at a higher level, a certain dollar amount of revenue. Um, and somewhere in there is the retreats. Um, and then at the very top is one-to-one coaching or one-to-one VIP days. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah, is there anything that you want to say in and and this thing and also where can people find you? Totally. And so with you? please reach out on Instagram at Jen Gittimer, it's just my name. It's easy. Um, I love to connect with people. Uh, DM me. Let me know you heard me on the Gurry Show. I would love that. And um, I'll I'll send you my Make More Money mini course, or you can enroll in it. It's in the link in my bio. Um, it's it's free at the moment. Um, and, um, I guess an ending, I would say a lot of people say you need to do what you love and I can't underestimate the importance of waking up and loving what you do every day. Cause when you wake up and love what you do every day, every day feels like a holiday and it's the best feeling on the planet. And the, in my opinion, the only way to live your life. Yeah, it truly is the best feeling. Yeah. Awesome, Jen. So um, thank you so much. We've had this wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thank Thank you. It's a pleasure.